You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater, show by show and week by week. And today, we've got an extra special guest. Oh, a very special guest. We always get the special guests, though. Yeah, for some reason, they only come to us. Um, They only come to us. They only come to us. The unspecial guests? You can only get them here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the the let's special guests, they go to the theater podcast with Alan Seals. They, the special ones come here. And so please join me <laughs> welcoming um, the host and creator of Stage Right on YouTube, Kevin Morris. Yay! Wow, that <laughs> intro. <laughs> it took a minute, didn't it? We got, we got there, though. Rev me up. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> mm. um, this is exciting. I do want to say on a personal note, I think your content on the internet is fantastic. Um, I Some people hate the word content, specifically the stuff you've done on Funny Girl. And I think as far as I'm concerned, you have the most, the best telling of the Rebecca controversy on the internet. And I am including our podcast on that. I think it is the most concise, the more clear, most clear and the most fair. Um, and yeah, I'm including our own stuff there too. So fantastic work as far as all that concerned but you mean our our rebecca controversy coverage wasn't concise and clear no it was a mess <laughs> oh that's so unlike us i mean to be fair to be fair the rebecca controversy is pretty messy to just try to follow and like make concise yeah so but thank you that's so nice thank you so much i yeah and i just appreciate content that i can show to others and give a good generalization not generalization because you're very clear and you're very well researched but it's not like going to be four hours of their life that they'll never get back either in podcast or in video form. Um, I just think that you respect your audience in a way that I love to see um, in that. Um, speaking of highly disrespecting our audience, um, I, I, I've come down with a little little bit of a curse right now. I, I've been meeting up with a sea witch. Just how are you still talking? It's, I'm just trying. I'm trying to make some vibrations <laughs> back there. Just. 
Just gargle some salt water. It's all easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Sierra Bogus did um, for basically the second half of the entire Broadway show. Yeah. And on that note, this week we are talking about the Little Mermaid musical. Cue the music. This is where I belong. Beneath a clear white blue here. I feel completely new here in the world It's like my life was wrong And somehow now at last I'm in My own skin Up here in the world above. The Little Mermaid is a musical written by Doug Wright with music and lyrics by Howard Ashman and Glenn Slater and Alan Menken. Based on The Little Mermaid by John Musker and Ron Clements, which is based on The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. The musical began previews on Broadway at the Lundfontein Theater on November 3rd, 2007, and was temporarily shut down on November 10th, 2007, due to the 2007 Broadway stagehand strike, which is the <laughs> largest um, shutdown on Broadway until the... Uh, coronavirus pandemic. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. The strike ended on November 28th, 2007, and the show resumed previews the next day. The official opening date was postponed from December 6th, 2007 to January 10th, 2008. Jody Benson and Pat Carroll, who starred in the original 1989 animated film, um, attended the opening ceremony. But the show was lambasted by critics, and while it had a good, like, like, it had some good numbers at first, then the recession happened, and then that kind of ruined everything for everyone. Um, so the production closed on August 30th, 2009, after 50 previews and 685 performances. Thomas Schumacher, producer and president of Disney Theatrical Productions, said it would be fi- financially irresponsible to our shareholders to risk operating losses with such a big show in the historically challenging fall months. We are closing the Broadway production to concentrate on the long future life of this title. And I will say they did do that credit to them. The plot of The Little Mermaid is Ariel, King Triton's youngest daughter, wishes to pursue the human Prince Eric in the world above, bargaining with an evil sea witch, Ursula, to trade her tail for legs. But the bargain is not what it seems, and Ariel needs the help of her colorful friends, Flounder the Fish, Scuttle the Seagull, and Sebastian the Crab to restore order under the sea. So, Kevin, what is your history with The Little Mermaid? (laughs) As both the film, the stage show, and the original story. I, uh, I have a deep affection for this movie. I think I was, I, it came out in 89. I was born in 87. So I think I was too young to see this in theaters, but I know I had the VHS copy at the earliest opportunity. Um, did you have the penis VHS? (laughs) I'm, what a a thing to ask. (laughs) uh, I think the answer probably was yes. Why don't you tell us what that was? (laughs) If you Um, so there was a recall on VHSs of the little mermaid in its first printing because there is a very obvious phallus in the castle on the VHS. Um, you, it is obviously something intentionally put there by some disgruntled employee and it caused a lot, so much controversy that Disney had to recall them and make, and basically remove that. So that is a pretty rare find to see that penis, that penis, um, castle VHS. Funnily enough, um, the answer is like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that thing. I actually meant the the penis moment for the priest. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're there? Thinking, yeah, the boner moment where the priest has an erection. Yes. And, and I don't remember 
exactly how that that whole like story ended up. I don't know if it was how people imagined it or if it legitimately was the animator slipped in this like boner coming out of no, the priest. It's if you actually watch any context and not like in frames, um, it's his knees. Like he's just bending down <laughs> in a weird way. Um, but it like when me and Andrew covered the live stream of whatever they did with Queen Latifah, they cut that moment out of there and i don't i haven't checked on disney plus because i don't return to the little mermaid often i don't know if they still kept the knee boner but the the knee boner is an interesting one it's kind of like the uh what what is it in lion king the the little sex sex. in the sars or something kevin back to your story of your history with little mermaid on vhs whoo we've been through so much um but yeah, I, I am like I'm like the millennial that like saw all those movies in theaters, with the exception, obviously, of Little Mermaid. So, um, yeah, I, I just adore this movie. I, I see it so many times. I know every line, which is like weird for a 35 year old man to remember that. But like, um, I love this movie. And I think for people who know like the history of Disney animation and what the studio is going through leading up to that point, I think, you know, how important this movie is for many people. So uh, that's sort of my history with The Little Mermaid, and um, I'm fascinated with every uh, iteration that comes afterward. That is interesting. So when you heard there was going to be a Broadway adaptation, what was your initial reaction? Because that would be 2007, 8-ish? Yeah, like I think like 2006, 2007 is when they like officially said like, yeah, we're on the way to, to do this. And I, the first thing I thought was, how are they going to do that? Because, you know... Um, in animation, you can do anything. Um, like the the sequences still look great, all the underwater stuff. So you think, first of all, how are they going to do that? And you, I think you immediately assume that's going to look amazing because you imagine they're going to like Cirque du Soleil it with all these things flying in, water effects, all these things. So, um, and yeah, I was, you know, I remember when Sierra Bogus got announced, I wasn't familiar with her, but I remember that the her headshot they showed. And I was like, holy shit, she looks just like her. And I was a fan of Sherry Renee Scott. I thought that is such a cool, different choice. Um, yeah, I was just really fascinated to uh, see what was going to come of it. And then they went to Denver. <laughs> yeah. So did you see that original Denver production or no? I mean, not live, if we can say that okay. on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're very pro bootleg here. Um, <laughs> uh, come at us, Broadway Podcast Network. We we like piracy. We like uh, we like theft. It's, it's very cool. Like, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> a bootleg is never a replacement value for seeing a show live. And especially for a show that hasn't been live for like, almost two decades at this point um i don't i think it's fair game to say that we watched a bootleg of an out-of-town tryout for a flop musical <laughs> right well like, the other thing too the other thing too is that like because yeah i did see these little clips that were coming out of denver including when it went to new york the other thing too i don't know controversial i don't know who's listening but like back in the day when i used to visit um the broadwayworld.com uh, message boards. Yeah. Uh, this is like pre, like maybe Twitter was around, but it, like it wasn't a thing yet. But like that was the quickest way to like hear, or for at least for me, the quickest way to hear what are people saying out of town. And like pretty early on, it was like, this is very, very different. And I think like it might be rooted in the fact that you had Francesca Zimbello, who is really sort of known for for opera and she is well known for doing opera particularly in in Europe and I I'm I've never worked professionally in opera but I'm opera adjacent so I understand how that world and in Europe like if you're doing like a, a Mozart or a 
or Wagner or anything like that, the audiences tend to be a bit more like accepting of like, okay, they're doing something different with this. They're doing like mm-hmm. Carmen set in like the 1950s. And the, that's great. Um, for the, doing the commercial Mario version of the magic flute. Like people are down for yeah, that. People like new stuff. Yeah. And I think it's trickier because then you have this very specific commercial entity. I know I'm being very like that. Those are like big words, but like, the Little Mermaid is so specific and iconic and people can cite every musical number that's in that show and how it looked on screen. And I think there is an expectation of what you're going to do with that when it goes on stage. And I really just generally think it did not land in that direction. And like all the, you know, props to Francesca Zambella for really like saying, I don't want to just do the movie on stage. And I, the way I remember it, I think somebody else did cite this, but I think her goal was to not do things flying in, anybody on on harnesses or anything like that. And I think she, she didn't also want, didn't want water effects. Yeah. So, I mean, bold, bold. And I think in a weird way, like even I'm kind of admitting like, that's kind of what I wanted to see, if I may be so honest. <laughs> that's fascinating. So, Kevin, here's a question. Um, and uh, Andrew, I'll get to your opinion on The Little Mermaid no, in a second. But... Do you know anything about Matthew Bourne's uh, original Little Mermaid uh, version in the early 2000s? I think it was like 2000, like literally the year 2000, and he dropped in 2003. The, I don't know anything about that specific version. I know that he was attached to it for a while, and then I think he got busy before Francesca Francesca Zambello got involved. Well, that's a good, like, he drops in 2003. I don't think Francesca jumps on until like 2006, 2007. So there's a... Bro- break in development where I think they focused on Tarzan for whatever that's worth. And <laughs> from what I've heard, um, <laughs> um, he was very keen on adapting the Hans Christian Andersen novel with elements um, from the movie. Quite similar to what James Lapine was doing across the pond um, in Vienna or Berlin, Germany, with uh, Der Glockner von Notre Dame, which I think is a fantastic production. And yeah. I would have been very interested, especially because Matthew Bourne is so avant-garde and weird. Like, if you've seen any of his stuff, it's in the same way that um, Francesca... Oh, what's her last name? Zambella. Zambella, thank you. I would have been interested in that. And from a lot of the pitches, I don't know. I Like, Carrie Butler was their choice for Ariel. Like, there was a... Uh, uh, some good ideas there. Like there were some interesting choices being played around with there. And I'd like to know what his ideas were. Um, Cause I think that what we have here is pretty close to a translation of the movie with worse choices. Yeah. They they're really riding the movie's coattails in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Andrew, what is your connection to the movie and how do you feel about walking into this? Cause I'm pretty sure you didn't, you kind of walked into this blind. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the movie in a while. Um, I do remember thinking it was fine. I don't know. I, I'm more into the later era of that, the later movies in that Disney era than the the, the Home on I the Ranges. Little, yeah, yeah, I like Home on the Range. The <laughs> no, but the Little Mermaid is the one that kind of like kicked that all off. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a fine movie, and it's obviously extremely memorable. Which is why when I was watching this, all I could think of is how they're just doing the beats of the movie, and anytime they added something new it didn't feel like it worked. Um, And it's just, it's a shame almost that they tried new stuff and none of it really seemed to succeed. And the only parts of it where I was kind of invested, it's like, oh, well, they're doing the the Ursula song or, oh, they're doing the, the, like, I want more song or, you know, (laughs) like, 
the parts that you already know about. And it's still, they don't even do it as well as they do in the movie because you don't have that like beautiful animation going on. Let's talk about some of these changes. Um, mm-hmm. But let's start with the plot before we go into like songs or anything like that. First and foremost, what is your thoughts about Ursula now being Triton's sister and like them being the children of Poseidon? I, I just think, why? <laughs> and I just think, like, I'm, I don't know. Th- this happens a lot in other adaptations, whether it is for like their, their live action or their stage screens. And I understand like you need to expand, I suppose. But like, I, yeah, I just kind of went, why? I, I did. <laughs> and maybe maybe that's just a, maybe that's a comment on me that as watching the animated movie, I never really thought how Ursula related to Triton. I just thought she's a sea witch and she's been banished. You know, she's an uh, an outcast of society. I really didn't think much more of it. So I just I, I didn't care. I just like I kind of why that's my answer to that. <laughs> it's a uh, really, really bold of uh, Triton to just make it like a holiday the day that he banished his <laughs> sister. <laughs> it's like, yep, got rid of her. <laughs> um in some ways they make triton a lot more reasonable in this one and a lot of ways they make him not and strangely enough they kind of removed the teeth from our main villain i did not feel like ursula deserved death in the final scene despite her violently being murdered by our lead character she didn't get stabbed in the ass the way she did in the movie. She got fucking like her her entire life force sucked into the bottom of the stage because what? She made a bad contract that you guys knew, but like she didn't. She The thing that bothers me in the movie, she goes out of her way to try to weasel out of the contract with Eric by putting a spell on him and all. And here she's just like, it's going to play out how it's going to play out. I, I got mine. And if it works out good for her, if not, whatever. She followed through on everything. She wasn't trying to like win by cheating, and then she just fucking gets murdered in the last moment because it ju- it didn't work out for you. Clearly, the society doesn't have a thing for sea witches. Okay, I like guess. they're gonna kill her. <laughs> I mean, we're asking very important questions here, but <laughs> did we? Did we ever establish, like, in the, the stage musical or in the movie, like, what she did? Was she was just an evil sea, sea witch? I don't know. Like, again, these are things that, like, I think maybe in the animation world, it's like, this isn't really important. She's a sea witch. She's evil. I think in the original story, she's just a sea witch. It's as simple yeah. as that. And just, I don't know. The rest is just kind of, like, details for the sake of putting details and looking. Um, you you oh. don't need to explain you don't have to explain where the yeah. sea witch comes from it's a sea witch there's mermaids there's a sea witch okay but you have to show her <laughs> doing bad things you have to show her being evil in the final scene of the movie she becomes a giant monster out to murder people she has become too dangerous to keep alive i understand why that <laughs> i mean turned out the way she it did. is trying to enslave people at the end like, uh, she's throwing that out there they, she got banished and she didn't do it. She can threaten all she wants. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you getting banished makes it okay for you to hold slaves. No, I'm just no, gonna... <laughs> I agree. But we eat these fucking things anyway, so it's not like they're real things to us. They dedicate a lot of time to that, don't they? Like the fact that humans eat the fish. Yeah, that's an entire. Oh God, I, 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 I. That also feels weird in the stage show. It feels out of place, strangely, like. Because animation, they're very different beings. And the stage show, it's like, everyone's a human. We're eating them? What? (laughs) 
Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Kevin, did you watch the Disney, like, half live, half animated special they did a few years ago? Oh, with Shaggy? John Stamos and Shaggy. Oh, <laughs> you see, Shaggy. It's always greener in somebody else's lake. <laughs> what I say? Shaggy has been up to some great stuff, honestly. He put out a Frank a Frank Sinatra cover album. Uh, really love to see it. <laughs> um, did I watch that? No. You know what? I feel like I didn't. And then I remember going on YouTube and seeing like a little bit and also just like popping my head on Twitter and then just seeing people's reactions going like, I'm good. And like all respect to people who, who did enjoy it. Great. I'm just kind of like, I don't need to watch this. I don't need to watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was it was content that we made that night. I will say that I <laughs> I remember Queen Latifah being good. Like, it, yeah, there was like some good parts. I, honestly, I'm wondering if I enjoyed that more than the stage show. I <laughs> I don't I, think I did. No, I think the stage show has enough going for it, especially that original Broadway cast. If I'm gonna give this show plaudits, that original cast is some of the like early stars before they were stars. We got Titus Burgess, we got Norm Lewis, we got Sierra Boggess. We've got so many great, great performers there before they became anyone. And I think if this show had not had Sierra Boggess in the role of Ariel, it would have lasted much less time because she holds that show on her back through charm and charisma alone, especially in act two when she's not really able to perform with anything except like her body. She is impressive in a way where those of you who have only seen like Christine Daae or School of Rock or any other Andrew Lloyd Webber things because he has her blood contracted in to do all his <laughs> shit until he, she dies. Um, you are missing out on how good a performer she really, really is here. He's like put her in like such shitty roles and she's not been in anything else, really. Like, it's a little surprising she's not in Bad Cinderella. Maybe she'll be like the... Sorry, Sierra. Should be like the the evil stepmother and like the replacement cast if they get there. Remember last time we had a replacement cast in C- Cinderella. <laughs> that being said, I, I'd be in- I-, I am disappointed that Sierra Bogus has never like quite done anything as goofy or as fun as this. Like she'd be great in the guys and dolls. Like Jesse Mueller has taken a career of being a comic actress, um, and I feel like Sierra Bogus really could have done that, but she's trapped in Weber world, um, and. This just makes me more sad about that. She could have been the lead in Rebecca and her career trajectory would have taken a whole new, like, different turn. Yeah, I wonder how much of that, again, like, it's been a while since I've been in Rebecca land, but I'm very interested because I know she she eventually had to step away from that. But I do wonder, um, was that her agent kind of going, you need to get out of this, like, now? Who who knows? I don't know if she had something else going on. Like, I can't remember the timeline, but. Her divorce was going on at the same time because her husband Ooh. cheated on her with uh, Christine uh, standby um, and Love Never Dies when he took over as the Phantom. I mean, they have so many cool choices. Like, we've, we talked about Sierra Boggess, uh, Sherry Renee Scott, obviously, is just like, I, I adore her. She's wild and crazy, but I just, I'm such a fan of her. I think she's so great. <laughs> um, I hope I'm saying his name, their name right, um, Sean Palmer, who I think at a lot of point at that point a lot of people knew from uh, Sex in the City, and this was you know I think he actually sounds really great. For instance, on the, just the cast album, he's a really cool choice for Eric Jonathan Fucking Freeman, who AKA Jafar yes. as um, Grimsby. Uh, Grimsby, 
so left field and I'm like so in for it. And again, just a, like a really cool, like obviously he later on plays Jafar on stage in Aladdin, but it's just such a cool uh, addition. And of course, before he was on, you know, with Disney, he had his own Broadway career. So just really cool choice. Um, Norm Lewis, you know, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how much I really think about King Triton as a character necessarily, but I'm just like, I'm a big fan of Norm Lewis. And I'm a big fan of Norm Lewis shirtless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I think they, the makeup team did help with that, but uh, I think they didn't have to work too hard uh, on some of those abs. Yeah, it's Speaking gorgeous. of the makeup team and maybe even the costuming team, I wonder how much work was done, especially on the Mer women um to ensure that there isn't a slippage of the the janet jackson variety um yeah. that might cause this to become less of a family they got the, show the shell bras and that's it <laughs> <laughs> and i was trying to look for like is there like a mesh suit or something because i can see sarah bogus like belly button and stuff and i was like okay there's probably pasties involved but like i, I don't know i'm just like how do they protect from that because i remember um when they did the live show they put um oh what's their name from moana um right either way um they put them in a bodysuit um to ensure that that wouldn't happen on live tv uh, but they don't look like they're in bodysuits in this show well maybe it's just broadway and they don't care <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> what are they gonna do I mean, bring a camera in who's got a camera in their pocket yeah i feel like on broadway they really like like engineer the hell out of those things like i think i I'm trying to dig up a picture, but yeah, I think like, obviously it's revealing where it needs to, but I think, I think those women are going on stage, you know, feeling pretty secure. I think so. It's, it's, it's holding on for dear life, but you know, uh, maybe then I just think of like the bath time scene that Sierra has where she's like jumping from that to a towel. Well, I don't know. I'm always concerned about things like that. I don't know why. I'm because it would mortify me. If it's all you can think about, Jess. <laughs> it's like a paranoia thing. Like, oh no, oh no, oh. I hate it. I hate it. I wish that people wore like four jackets on stage at all times. Um, that being said, how about we compare our opinions to those of the New York theater critics when this first came out? It's time for previews. It's time for previews. 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 It's time for previews. So, we're about to look at Ben Brantley's review of this. We have mm -hmm. an ongoing vendetta with Ben Brantley and call him the Ben Shapiro of Broadway. Um, looks like Jesse Green <sighs> stepping up to the plate to step into those shoes, but this is a particularly nasty review. And Andrew, why don't you take a stab and let us hear what he had to say. All right, we got The Little Mermaid by Ben Brantley. Uh, this was in 2008. So this was like right when the show came out. January 11th. Um, <clears throat> loved the shoes, loathed the show. Okay, I exaggerate. I didn't like the shoes all that much. But the wheel-heeled footwear known as Murblades. Oh no, this is where he's going. Okay. <laughs> which allows stage-bound dancers to simulate gliding underwater provides the only remotely graceful elements in the musical blunderbuss called Disney's The Little Mermaid, which opened on Thursday at the La Fontaine, whatever, theater. Lunt Fontaine. <laughs> Lunt Fontaine, that makes sense. I can read. I'm, I, I'm literate. <laughs> uh, a variation on Heelys. Oh, I love Heelys. I gotta get a pair. Um... A skate hybrid popular among school children and teenagers 
who are probably way too old for this production, Murblades in down there. Why are we going on about two paragraphs? The first two paragraphs <laughs> in this review are about the fucking Heelys. <laughs> the ability to skim hard surfaces with a near lightness. Unfortunately, a state of lightness is difficult to sustain when you're being attacked on all sides by an aggressive ocean that appears to be made of hard plastic. Let's pause there for a second. He may, he wrote two paragraphs that said the same thing as his opening. Both of them have like, I like the Heelys, but not really. Also, the rest of the show sucks. Twice. What is, what is the, he made up the word Murblades, right? No, that is the, from the production. The production made that up. <laughs> so it's just using a marketing term that yeah. they came up with and mocking them. Okay. Come to think of it, the motto of this production, the latest and least of the Disney musicals to besiege Broadway since Beauty and the Beast opened in 1994, could be, you can never go broke underestimating the taste of preschoolers. Imagine he's writing this with like, like wine in his hand or something. Yes, uh, let's pause there. Um, that is just condescending as shit and kind of like just cruel. Um, the worst paragraph, though, I'm going to actually take a look at this, um, where he insults the actor's sex appeal. Oh, no. In like manner, most of the performers approach their characters with the forced jocularity of actors marking time in a theme park until a better job comes along. Miss Boggett, who has a penny whistle soprano, and Mr. Palmer look uncannily like regulation cartoon drawings of a pretty princess and prince with all the attendant sex appeal and personality. I charitably maybe he's talking about the makeup and costumes no yeah, he went on I, a rant about that earlier no okay yeah so no i, I get the feeling this ben brantley guy is just kind of unpleasant <laughs> do we agree with that review i'm betting like even though i'm not like warm and cuddly about this show i think i'm not giving everyone the credit they deserve yeah like reading between the lines i understand what he's saying it's just coming off as incredibly petty and yeah, I think it's just like he's poking fun at them. And like you can, I mean, I think he, again, reading between the lines, this is not a Ben Brantley show, as in this is not something that appeals to his taste, obviously. And I yeah. understand that. It's just, yeah, it just comes out as unnecessarily petty and just cruel. And I hate, I don't know, maybe just critics are just bitter and angry because like I hate when they open up with trying to be clever. I don't know. It's just very strange. <laughs> I, just, I just don't get it. And like, if he thinks the show is for preschoolers, I, I'm not a fan of like people that say you should like anything that's for children is automatically good. Like there's no standards, whatever. But like you can talk about something and be like, yes, this is good for something that's for preschoolers. You know, like we just talked about the freaking Blues Clues movie that came out in a positive way, even though like I'm not going to be caught dead watching that because it was kind of silly. Like, but like you're not gonna opening night in the theater uh, that movie. You can never never underestimate the taste of preschoolers. Like, like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, Brent Ben Brantley, you're you are your taste is way better than those preschoolers, you know. And we all get that. You're so smart. <laughs> so, Kevin, you brought up that this isn't a Ben Brantley show. What show would you call a Ben Brantley show? Oh God, I mean. I don't know. It's like I've 
It's got Audrey McDonald in it or something like that. It's at Lincoln <laughs> Center. And I, I'm not knocking Audrey McDonald because I love her. But like, you know, he's in for Did he like... Did go to review to Mary Christine? I think, he, I think it was complicated. I think he was very mixed on the actual show. But I do remember him being very um, respectful. Not just respectful. He like gave her like the glowing review. She is the reason that show worked for him. He didn't care for the rest of it, but he loved her in it. I, see, I love that show. Um, I, we didn't cover that this year. Fuck, I, that's one of those ones. I'm like, I I love that show. Um, I don't know if it would get like people downloading. Like, oh, he talked about Mary Christine. Well, fuck that. We gotta download that right now. Um, but I'd like to talk about that. Um, all right. So we don't agree with Ben Brantley in the terms. How about we go into a little bit more of a deranged territory where we compare our opinions to those of the distinguished critics over on Letterboxd.com. It's time for the Letterboxd game! Kevin, here is the Letterboxd game. I am going to put you and Andrew up head-to-head against each other. I'm going to read you a Letterboxd review, a real one. None of these are made up. And you have to tell me, just based on the review alone, whether it is a one-star or a five-star review. All right. Kevin, you want to go first? Sure. <laughs> it's Footloose with Mermaids. Five star. That is correct. Is it Footloose with Mermaids, though? That Are they was... talking about the Merblades? No, <laughs> they were talking about the Little Mermaid prequel, Ariel's Beginning. That was oh. actually has... They have a score by Janine Tesori somehow. I don't know how that happened, but she did do that. We're going to have to do something where we talk about those like Disney sequels at some point. One day. Maybe that'll be a Patreon exclusive. I, um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Well, that'd be fun. All right, Andrew, you're up. Okay. Would have been better if she were naked. <laughs> I mean, Jess didn't write this. He's worried about that. Uh, oh, jeez. Although it did bother me in the movie when she gets her legs and she's, like, bottom naked for, like, the first, like, scene. <laughs> like, and she, like, she's got the shells, but she got no nothing on her. She got nothing on her fucking bottom. She's just out there with the <laughs> fucking Winnie the Pooh and out in the world. Okay, um, we're gonna, I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna go with one. That is correct. All right, Kevin, you're up. <clears throat> okay. My favorite movie while my mom was spending time in jail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> bold to say. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> It could really go either way, couldn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say a five star. That is correct. All right. And they said that there's. It, they said it was their favorite. I feel like you lean into that. It's five, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, Andrew, you ready? Yes. Yeah. Ariel Cohen. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child anymore. Me Cohen. Bitch, sit your ass down and shut the hell up. <laughs> bitch. There was one more bitch. Bitch, sit your ass down and shut the hell up, bitch. <laughs> Oh, that feels like it would be a one, but I almost think it's a trick. I'm going to go five. I'm going to say five. That is correct. That was a, That's an amazing poll. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sure you're going to get fucked that one up. All right, Kevin, you're up. Damn, her nips must be hell chaff. Oh, that is no. so disappointing to hear. What, can, okay, genuine question. What is the spelling on that word? Chaffed? C-H-A-F-T-E-D. I think they mean chafe. But they spelled it chaffed. What does that? Uh, what does that mean? I'm sorry. <laughs> I think what they're trying to say is, "Damn, her nips must be hella chafed." Because they're wearing a, a shell bra. Yeah. I, I mean, that's probably not good for your nips. <laughs> They'd probably make them hella chafed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, now I understand. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say one. That is correct. 
Ooh. All right, Andrew. <clears throat> yeah. Poor unfortunate cock. <laughs> <laughs> and then the O face emoji. <laughs> there are. The O-face. Yeah, and there are five K's at the end of cock. <laughs> I'm gonna give it five. I'm giving that the review correct. five. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good review. <laughs> that is a poor unfortunate cock. All right, Kevin. <laughs> I think we got one more each. <clears throat> Giant Ursula gets her ass stung by a boat. That's how she dies. Uh, one, I guess. Spoilers. Ooh, that is incorrect. That is a five. Oh, I would have got that wrong too. I think. <laughs> oh, Andrew, you're you guys are tied right now, so you could win this year. Oh, okay, okay. That, now the pressure's on. Failed hot mer girl summer. One star, one star. They wanted to see tits. That is correct. And Andrew, you have won previews hey! today. <laughs> yeah, you did a out. fantastic job today, but Honestly, Andrew did yeah. come out the victor. Thank you I, very much. I think both of us were on a roll on that one, though. I honestly. think you both did really, really good this game. This is usually very difficult. Hey, Andrew. Do you got any New Year's resolutions? Well, I've been trying to bulk up a little bit. I think I might be hitting the gym. I don't know. What about you? I just know for a fact, or there's only one place you should be looking at to get a high-protein, good-calorie diet, and that's Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and the cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered, where, Andrew? Right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and of course, protein first, which is just what you're looking for, right, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. And I really appreciate how you forced the pun in even more this month than the last one. Well, I don't know if there's any facts or fiction here, but it sounds like we got a lot coming up. Um, forget the frantic lunch preps and rushed dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up with fast, restaurant-quality meals, all delivered, where, Andrew? Right to your door. Uh, to my door, absolutely, yep. I mean, that is where I want them. But it's not just, like, quick and easy solutions. They're also a great special occasion meal. I know you and your girlfriend don't go out to restaurants as much. Imagine having just a restaurant coming to you and you having date night right at home. You know, she'd really appreciate that once in a while, I think. But not only do they offer fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook, they will also help you stay on top of those goals to bulk up, Andrew. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, you can stay on track. And you know what? That's going to get pretty handy in your New Year goals. Am I right, Andrew? You know, it is sounding pretty good, but where would I go to get this? Well, you would head to factormeals.com slash musicals50 and use code musicals50 to get 50% off. That code, musicals50, at factorsmeal.com slash musicals50 to get 50% off. I mean, by the end of this year, thanks to Factor, you're going to be ripped. You're going to be looking like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They're going to call him Dwayne the Pebble Johnson next to you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. Maybe I'll get to be in Moana, too. You'll, you'll be in Moana 3 and 4, thanks to Factor. <laughs> so go to factormeals.com, kids, and get your 50% off deal. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. Sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a shill at you. Oh, he's going ham for that one. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Andrew, tell us a little bit about Patreon. Oh, man. You go to Patreon, you can give us money and get extra perks. We got more content up there. We got, you know, the ability for you to request episodes, uh, just all sorts of cool stuff up on Patreon. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, we also have brand new merch. We have our holiday merch. And with this new branding, we're probably going to have new branding merch for you to purchase and put on your bodies and take nudes in. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to charge you. Um, also, I can just tell that Kevin has on the top of their lips. I, I just see them wanting to say join join their Patreon. I just see them wanting to say it. Everyone, join their Patreon. I got him! I fucking got him! <laughs> you don't, you don't have to do it. There's no legal obligation. <laughs> <laughs> you better promote your own. I'm very, very kind. Whatever, that's fine. <laughs> Kevin is the best of us. Um, sincerely. Um, but our current patrons are Melissa Goldman, Danielle Renick, Justice Stampedio, and Cassie, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Nathaniel, Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Mary Lou Shoket, John Van Ross Walker, Musical Hell, Kyle Summers, Jenny C, Scoot in the Technicolor, Dreamcode, Allison Stellar, Nothing is Certain except Beth and Taxes, Thesbian, Ren Cohen, Raphael, Martina Salaz, Jessica Teed, Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Chris Marcote, Maimu, Kiji, Kiji, Marie Anastasio, Layla, RJ Narija, Charlie B, Bjorn Hermans, Erica S, Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most, Lopez, Liana Morton, Kaylee Blazier, Cinemageddon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sofiana Ali, The Omega Geek, Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargle, Alisa Erdman, Anna Loskatova, Cheska Vare, Sarah Den Blecker, Jamila M. Brown, Evan Ball, Zachary Torres, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Morasso, and Mara Forloin. I didn't fuck it up that time, and these folks give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. And also, a new thing we're implementing, any questions that were submitted um, on the day of, we will read during this period. And Andrew, are you ready for a brand new question that we literally got in the meantime since we did our last episode? Uh, absolutely. We got a brand new one? Yeah, th- literally it happened right after we stopped recording our first one. So, this is from Mara Forloin. Or Forlo- Forloin, I said it right. Um, this is probably a specifically for you, Andrew. If there oh. was a Thanks Jukebox musical, what would be the plot of it? Oh, so this is about my band specifically. Okay. Yes. Um, I... I want to say it would be something, uh, it would be like a road, a road trip. Um, probably like a guy meets a girl and they end up chasing each other across the country or something like that. I'd that watch that's my kind fuck of out of that. That's just like a musical I would enjoy, even without um, the band thanks and you being involved. Yeah, that's, that's my thought. That will never right. happen, but <laughs> that's, that, that's my thought. <laughs> so if you want your question answered on this show, join our Patreon and we'll do it right here. But in the meantime, let's get back to the show. 
a lot of these new songs baffle me. Hey, Andrew, do you got any New Year's resolutions? Well, I've been trying to bulk up a little bit. I think I might be hitting the gym. I don't know. What about you? I just know for a fact, or there's only one place you should be looking at to get a high-protein, good-calorie diet, and that's Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and the cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered where, Andrew? Right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and of course, protein first, which is just what you're looking for, right, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. And I really appreciate how you forced the pun in even more this month than the last one. Well, I don't know if there's any facts or fiction here, but it sounds like we got a lot coming up. Um, forget the frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the New York. Fuel up with fast, restaurant-quality meals, all delivered, where, Andrew? Right to your door. Uh, to my door, absolutely, yep. I mean, that is where I want them. But it's not just, like, quick and easy solutions. They're also a great special occasion meal. I know you and your girlfriend don't go out to restaurants as much. Imagine having just a restaurant coming to you and you having date night right at home. You know, she'd really appreciate that once in a while, I think. But not only do they offer fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook, they will also help you stay on top of those goals to bulk up, Andrew. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, you can stay on track. And you know what? That's going to get pretty handy in your New Year goals. Am I right, Andrew? You know, it is sounding pretty good, but where would I go to get this? Well, you would head to factormeals.com slash musicals50 and use code musicals50 to get 50% off. That code, musicals50, at factorsmeal.com slash musicals50 to get 50% off. I mean, by the end of this year, thanks to Factor, you're going to be ripped. You're going to be looking like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They're going to call him Dwayne the Pebble Johnson next to you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. Maybe I'll get to be in Moana, too. You'll, you'll be in Moana 3 and 4, thanks to Factor. <laughs> so go to factormeals.com, kids, and get your 50% off deal. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, like the daughters of Triton, like that yeah, kind of makes sense. That one came like, to mind as makes sense, like, but I don't know if we need it. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? You said it right there, and it goes back to my same thing. <laughs> Why? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think at the same time, yeah, it does. It's I get the instinct. It expands upon something that's already in the movie, but. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Define expands upon because it doesn't it gives really the ensemble add something to do, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. 
It doesn't actually give us anything new. It's what are just... they supposed to do? Sit there on their heelys and just wait to say the next line? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, guess I the feel thing like... is like, sorry, go ahead. No, you gotta Kevin, fill you go. time. You gotta fill time. But you, you go. Yeah. You go. Ahead. I mean, yeah. Like from like an absolutely like outside perspective, it does feel like I feel like they're just taking a forty-five second, you know, moment and then expanding it to three minutes just because they have to and because it fills up more time than it would in a movie. I know that's probably not as, as you know, as silly as an explanation as it is, but that's what it feels like. It's just like, why? Why? They're mm-hmm. probably not thinking about it in terms of like, we need to pad time, but I think effectively that's what it ends up doing and it kind of makes the pacing feel like a lot worse than it does in the what? movie. Well, that's fair, but I think like another thing that makes the pacing worse than it is in the movie is giving Ariel two I want songs in the world above. There's so much light here, light and space, the sun so bright here upon my face. It feels so right here, warm as love. Um, yeah. Strange new additions. It's like was was a part of your world not not enough. Like <laughs> no, no, we didn't we didn't explain what she wants well enough. Um, we need a whole new song with better lyrics by the mind behind Love Never Dies to write a song about what Ariel really wants. Why not just combine the two and we'll call it Part of Your World Above. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, can you try to offer an explanation why we have the world above here? Uh, I feel like from a dramaturgical perspective, it's like we need something that's going to introduce Ariel to the audience. This is, this is going to sound so silly, I guess, the way I'm explaining it. Because part of your world is like arguably, I mean, this is making a strong comment. I think it's the strongest song of the show. And it comes in like relatively early in the show. So, you know, you got to go gangbusters with that song. And for Ariel to kind of come out in the first, whatever that is, 15, 20 minutes and sing part of your world. It's like, well, now what do we do? And where does she have to go? (laughs) Everyone's going to go home at the halfway point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. That's just my observation. I feel like we need to give her something before she gets to that (laughs) <laughs> 11 o'clock number that's 11 at 8 30 but uh <laughs> yeah i mean that's the same structural like loop-de-loops they tried to do to make let it go the end of act one in the frozen musical which just narratively does not make it's just sense movies and movie musicals like that disney makes don't have the same structure and requirements that a musical does the end of like most of these movie musicals is like an action sequence and you really can't do that on stage necessarily, at least not not as well. Uh, so it's like, h- how do you what do you do with the 11 o'clock number when there is no 11 o'clock number in the in the movie? You know, I, it's instead they have a big fight and they kill the gigantic Ursula. Like <laughs> you, you might have hit the head right on nail right on the head as to what Disney musicals work. OK, in my opinion, only three Disney musicals have ever worked on stage. We're going to start with um, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King. And the Hunchback of Notre Dame. The climax of all three of those stories, both in the film and in the stage musical, are people hitting each other until one of them dies. <laughs> they aren't anything big. There aren't anything that you couldn't do in live action or animation, both. And that every other one has a big climax that's impossible to represent in on a stage. Every other one. Except for those three, where it's like, yeah, well, we can only do better than the stage or the movie at this point. So try to 
Wow, I, I didn't even think about it like that, but that's part of the reason why most of these feel underwhelming and those three tend to leave you feeling satisfied. But I'm I think sure. also like looking at like the, I'm trying to think off the top of my head because in the movie, the last musical number that happens and people can jump in if I'm wrong, I think is like Kiss the Girl, which is like yes. at the end of like the, the second, third, whatever. It's relatively like late in the movie and then the rest of the movie is just action. So then, you know, whoever the book writer is and the people making the show, they got to fill that time in and just like, yeah, I feel like this is sort of like the root about like why a lot of these Disney musicals on stage or on camera tend to just feel really bloated and just like not substantive. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. Um, and while that's being brought up, do you know the big differences between the production that went to Broadway and the production that is currently being licensed to school and the one that was put on in the Netherlands and all? No, I do not. Do tell. Once the stage show closed, it obviously was not the most well-received thing in the world. Um, another gentleman, I have it written down somewhere in my notes. Um, <clears throat> Glenn Casale, or Casale, or Casale, um, was brought in to reinvent the musical for a 2012 Dutch production. He made changes to the score and book, adding a new song, Daddy's a Little Angel, to replace I Want the Good Times Back for Ursula. Um, and it gives Ursula and Triton a new backstory and replacing the Heelys worn by the actors to introduce aerial effects and flying harnesses to create the illusion of being underwater. So that is the new version. And also the new stage design made by Bob... Um, what is it? Bob Crowley um, with the world above water. It looks like a storybook. It looks like a pop up book. Um, they also cut a bunch of characters like Heidi Blickenstaff's Carlotta. We don't need her. We can cut her. So they did that in um, the Netherlands. It is very interesting. Like I have saved here a link um, that shows how cool these aerial effects look like they would literally swing her up in the air and that that looks so much more effective than the Heelys. They don't have to give Ariel that big ass that they gave Sierra Boggess for no reason to try to keep her weight going. And again, it's just kind of like what you expect. You know, yeah. like I know at the risk of sounding sort of like silly, it's just like, yeah, that's kind of what the audiences I think really wanted to see. Therefore, this new revised production is the one they license out to theaters and student groups and all that. And I have seen so many fucking incredible student productions of this um, and watched this. I watched the Broadway first and then I just looked at just random student and local productions and they've got water on the stage. They've got rain effects and they're doing all the things that the original Broadway cast should have done. And it feels more like an event with the same content. And to that. I'm leading up to the song in the Broadway show that we currently have is I Miss the Good Times, which is Ursula's new introduction song about how, oh, I want the good times back is the original song. Just, just one eensy teensy thing that I want. I want the good times back. I want those grand old Days. I want the twisted nights, the sick delights, the wild soirees. I want those trembling crowds of shellfish cracked and peeled for me to dine. Not because I'm mean or selfish. No. I only want what's mine. I want. Kevin, what do you think about this song? I think I know what they were going for and then just like, <laughs> why? 
they're setting up motivation at least, which I guess in the movie you could say there wasn't a great setup of Ursula's motivation. But like the sea witch, <laughs> it does evil stuff. I don't know. <laughs> no, I completely agree. And they they make her a little too likable, like too understandable, too reasonable. Um. So here they the new song, Daddy's Little Girl. Yeah, Daddy's Little Angel. Um. She, they explain, like, specifically, my dad was Poseidon, and she was just like, I was this ugly little girl, and my dad kind of liked me, but I'm also kind of an evil little shit, too. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. When I was a kid, a squammy little squid, I was number seven, born of seven little girls. Seven little pearls, pretty as could be. To a T, all except for me. Ugly as a slug, hideous to hug. Daddy found me loathsome and disgusting, I could tell. They all got adored, I just got ignored. Plus, to ease his guilt, a magic shell. Used to belong to my papa Poseidon, full of lethal hexes and spells, my little sea snakes. The perfect gift for a spurned, dangerously unstable child. Yeah, so, like, one I, I want to see if I can find, like, a perfect. Specific, specific, like quote. I think she murders all of her sisters. I think that's what the oh, song wow. is saying. That's yeah. I I like that better than I want the good times back because it's like you're immediately struck with oh well she's she's evil like really evil. Okay, okay. okay. So <laughs> here's what the new song Daddy's Little Angel is about. Um, her slowly knocking off every one of her sisters so she's the next in line as the heir, and then eventually killing her father. And the line is. With those sisters in line above me, I inherited I inherited the whole damn show. Was it fun? Oh, a ton. So much fun, I forgot that my dad had also, in addition to a Todd, yes, a son, still age one. But I figured, so what? Till that snot-nosed little baby grew. <laughs> that is a much better introduction to our villain. I like yeah. that. Where, where do they use this song? They, they replace this in... A newer yes. version? The newer version and the ones that uh, all that are licensed. That is the new song put there. Um, instead of I want the good times back, which is like, oh, I wish I was back with them. Here it's like, I knocked off everyone and I still didn't get the kingdom. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, which is funny, evil, and kind of uncomfortable. I like that so much better. That long diatribe compared to songs that only one of you like will ever hear because like whatever um there is a song that did go viral on tiktok uh specifically right after the new mermaid trailer dropped and that is she's in love flounder's big song she acts like she don't see me she doesn't even speak she treats me like sashimi left over from last week you see her late at night tossing in her ocean bed Oblivious rocks, you summer up and tab her. She lays there like a lox, as sure as dogfish bite. Something's made to lose her head. She has lost her head. And she sighs and she swells and she's humming the tunes. Even has a sort of glow.
I like the song a lot. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna be a little cringy and say be like, yeah, a little kid screaming and belting on the top of his lo- lungs, like to the back of the audience. I'm into it. <laughs> the costumes are garish, and I can't really tell who's who. But goddamn, it's such uh, a you, cool you song. You would like you would like this song, wouldn't you? <laughs> what the fuck's that? Okay, Kevin, what are your thoughts? I see you nodding over there. I, 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 I know the moment you're talking about. I honestly have tried to block it out. I mean, I'm also okay. Now I'm going to sound like Ben Brantley here because I remember see, seeing the picture of Flounder and he had the blue hair, you know, gelled up like this, and I went, "For fuck's sake!" But again, that's me sounding like Ben Brantley. Um, it's cute. I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't absolutely hate the song but it's like nah, it's yeah. it's cute like out of all the other songs that we added um i don't mind this one at least they tried to give it a plot reason to be there where it's like oh that's how triton learns that uh, ariel's got a guy that she's into um either way it's not like positivity which might be the worst song in the entire show it makes no sense i strut my stuff with lots of confidence because all i lack an awful lot there is one thing I got, I got positivity, I got positivity, it gives me the zam and the zow and the yaddle oddle oddle, that's why I walk with a wiggle in my bottle, cause once you've heard that part, there ain't nothing you can do, so let that positivity work for you. Positivity. Tap dancing uh, seagulls, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep, just wanted to end. You don't like uh, the seagulls? Tap dancing for five minutes? No, I know it's our second act opening. I know we got to do something. I know that people are sitting down because they took didn't take two poops before going to the Broadway theater. <laughs> you got to take um, the two poops. You got to take two poops or else you're going to have to shit yourself during intermission. <laughs> and there's a five hour line of the fucking Lawn Fontaine Theater. It's true. I've been in it. um uh, the only good broadway theater to shit in is the marquee because that bathroom is relatively easy to get to it's been a while is i mean it's in the hotel right so do you just go downstairs or did i make that way too complicated for myself there's one upstairs yeah there's one upstairs and you don't even like need a ticket to get in there so technically they might change the rules anytime you need to take a shit and you're near times square just go into the marquee go up the escalator right there on the right you got the bathroom it was definitely something I would do when I would go to New York. Yeah, because it was either like a Starbucks for free Wi-Fi or go to the marquee to like <laughs> take a shit. <laughs> um, the marquee's beautiful. They're having Broadway Con there next year. It, it should always uh, be there. It's a Broadway house that's also a hotel. Why wouldn't you have the con there? It's perfect. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I hope we get invited back. <laughs> hope we didn't we embarrass ourselves too much. We 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 will. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have at the end of this year a new Little Mermaid adaptation, um, made for the screen, with new songs written by Alan Menken and Lin Manuel Miranda of all people. Um, it is starring Haley Bailey, um, as well as Aquafina and David Diggs as Sebastian. What are our hopes and dreams for that that project? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Like, okay, when the trailer came out, that teaser that came out, I guess, in September, this is me being very embarrassed. And again, I'm just going to state, I I have not cared for any of the other uh, remakes that came out. I have a pretty good idea about what they're about. It's not my thing. The trailer came out. I literally left. I was with my partner. I left the room because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Am I going to cry? Am I? I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, oh, that was sweet. Um, as to what my hopes and dreams are, um, I hope 
Halle, uh, Haley Bailey, excuse me. I hope um, she's wonderful in it. Do I think it's going to be the greatest movie in the world? Absolutely not. But like, I don't know. I'm always open to, you know, this movie is coming out in May. I'm always open to it being fantastic. But, you know, with what these remakes are, is kind of in line with what we've been talking about. They take this well-known entity and then they bloat it up. They try to make it bigger and better. And I don't always think that works. They make some cool choices sometimes. That's what I have to say about that. I like, I think everyone is so focused on that. We have a, um, this actress, a black Ariel. Everyone was so focused on that. Not everybody, obviously, but that was like the main discussion. It's and a then bunch I'm going, of right wing grifters online. Let's e- be, let's be yeah, real. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And then at the same time, I'm going like, everyone's focused on that. We're not actually talking about, is the movie actually going to be good? Cause I'm still, we haven't seen what, what Sebastian is going to look like. And I'm going like a little live action crab singing um, under the sea. Oh, please I, don't I, look like an actual cra- crab. Oh my God. Please <laughs> don't look like an actual It could be the opposite crab. direction. It could be the opposite direction, which is also bad, which is they just recreate the Sebastian from the movie in CGI. And it'll look like the fucking Pinocchio monstrosity on fucking Disney plus. Uh, it's just, a, I feel like it's a lose lose. Cause these, the, it, what it really comes down to is there's never going to be a reason that this needs to exist. Like the original movie has already done it perfectly. That's why they're even doing it at all because they want people to be like, Oh, I really liked the first movie they did. I'll do this one too. But like it, it's just going to be a thing, and even if it's okay, we're going to forget about it in five years. <laughs> yeah, it'll never overtake the original. Yeah, like, the, again, so much about what those remakes are about, and you could even say that about whenever they do a stage adaptation, um, a stage interpretation, it's like, it's playing off the nostalgia of that, and and obviously, if you look at the box office numbers, people are definitely going to see these movies, and, you know, in in their own way, Certainly from a financial perspective, it's paying off. But yeah, like I, I, in that respect, you know, maybe they know what it is and it's like, that's fine. But it's like, let's not like confuse this with like being like high cinema and stuff like that. I'm excited to see it. I think, question mark, I put my shoulders up to my ears when I say that. But, you know, I I just, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, this brilliant thing. I'm just curious as to how it's going to be interpreted on the screen. Have there been any good live action Disney remakes? Maybe, maybe that first 101 Dalmatians movie with Glenn Close, because Glenn Close casting as Krell is amazing alone. If we make this coat, it would be as if I were wearing your dog. <laughs> that's almost like a like a pre remake, though, isn't it? Like yeah. that's that happened before the trend of like what yes. they're doing now. Um, maybe. Um, I kind of like that first Cinderella movie, Kenneth Branagh's one, because it's just not trying to ape. It's doing its own thing. And, you know, (laughs) the Cinderella is so interesting because you yeah, it's not really trying to do what uh, what the other Cinderella is doing. I the only thing I keep thinking about is they keep lighting Cate Blanchett's eyes with that kind of like silent movie star thing that like it makes me think of uh, Angelica Houston and the Adams family. Like that is so campy and weird. And I love it. Uh, but yeah, the other stuff, it's... They can't make choices like that in the other ones. They have to, like, corporatize it. They they generally range from boring to terrible, you know? 
Yeah, like I'm not sure if you guys uh, were aware. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know if we're going to include this on the podcast, but like they, I think at the Disney Expo shortly after that trailer came out, they actually did show an audience uh, a current cut of what part of your world is going to look like. And um, I've seen it. It's like, you know, film from right. some guy's bag with the, the sh- over the shoulder. And they're absolutely paying tribute to the way the original movie looked, that scene. Um, and then she's doing her own thing. And I think it's great. And, you know, so again, they're absolutely playing on the nostalgia. And, you know, she's got to, you know, rise up at the very end, put her hand through the hole in the in the ground in her little cavern that she has there. And they're absolutely hitting those beats. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Again, from my interpretation, watching that guy film it from their bag. Uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see, you know how that translates when I'm actually watching it and how she comes off. If I liked Rob Marshall as a director more, I'd have more like a little less apprehensive, but I don't think Rob Marshall is particularly great. Um, Chicago is a fluke. Everything he's done since then has not been good. Um, I was just going to ask you, do you like Chicago? It's okay. Chicago is a fluke, but is anyone really like, Oh, Mary Poppins returns was so great. Oh my God. That into the woods movie. And memory, memories of a geisha. Um, nine. Uh, don't we all love nine? <sighs> Game of Day Lewis no, singing. Come on. Uh, okay. On that note, what is our overall thoughts on the Little Mermaid and our cheese rate? Andrew, why don't you start us off? Um. Yeah. Watch the movie. You know that's always been an option. Go watch the movie. It's really good. Uh, I'm sure this is fun to see live uh performance wise like if you really like little mermaid i'm sure it's fun but it's not something that i think adds to the movie in a way that is like you can't miss it um the movie just kind of does it does it right the first time and i I think that's that's all you need i'm not super excited for the remake but that's just because i'm not i don't think these live action remakes have ever been a great idea uh as far as a cheese goes i'm going to give uh the whole of the discussion of, of Little Mermaid, uh, North Sea Cheese, which is uh, the winner of the Danish Gourmet Award for 2008, which uh, is ironic, actually. There's so many connections there. Like, yeah. I wasn't sure, but there's like 50 different threads. I'm impressed. That might be my favorite cheese rating you've ever given, to be honest. That was, that was impressive. Y- you want to hear about it? They, they Apparently, there's a, a salty wind that always comes in from the North Sea into the facility where they make it. They have an advanced ventilation system just to make this cheese more special. That's brilliant. I love that. Wow. That's very cool. Um, I'm not even... Good job. Applause to you. That that was a pretty good poll. Um, all right, Kevin, what about you? Your overall thoughts on The Little Mermaid and your cheese rating? My cheese... After that one, that's going to be tough to follow. Um, the nice interpretation of the Ben Brantley review, I would say, is my reaction going, it's not for me. But that doesn't mean other people can't enjoy it. I think I will still always, you know, uh, love the movie. I might not necessarily be rushing to see the stage version, but I understand families and young kids especially might enjoy it. Not to say other older people might not enjoy enjoy it as well, but uh, not for me. A cheese rating. Uh, I'm going to say like a moist, soggy blue cheese because I don't like blue cheese. (laughs) And the ocean is blue. We're, we're working with a the theme there <laughs> running with the theme um so i i i'm complicated about this show a little bit more than i expected to be because i really like what it's become i like the local productions and the more recent like like non-replica productions 
where people are doing interesting things with Ursula. Like her tentacles are played by different actors that are like grabbing. There are so many more clever stage craft ideas being used in the this show. And obviously they've done rewrites to make it a better show that'll last long. And I think as like it's still like the number two most performed shows in the like like child theater as far as like high school theater goes, which it's a good high school theater show. I'm glad it's there. I'm glad we have it as an option. I would see it um, and I would direct it. I think kids would have a blast doing this. Everyone has their moment. So <laughs> that being said, um, I can't hate it, especially like even the Broadway version. I can't hate it because Sarah B- B- Sierra Bogus's charm hits me all the way to the back of the theater. And that's enough for me, to be honest. And I know I came off fairly negative, but one good performance really can save a show. And <laughs> I, I just, it makes me feel more and so badly that she's still trapped in Weber world. Um, she needs to get out, find something new to do and lead a Broadway show. Maybe not Rebecca, but something. Are we doing any fun revivals anytime soon? Any good shows that need to be revived? Put her in it. She'd probably knock it out the fucking park. On that note, my cheese rating is cream cheese ca- crab ragoon because I just want to, you know, cut up Sebastian the crab um, and make him into a little crab ragoon. <laughs> Kevin, thank you for joining us. This was absolutely lovely. I hope you had a good time. You will do incredible theater content and I want you to promote it for those that don't know about it. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh... In terms of promoting myself, uh, I have staged right on YouTube. Uh, I have lots of other stuff coming up. I'm currently working on an episode about Sunday in the Park with George and La Cajo Fall, and we'll see how that turns out. Are they fighting each other like they did at the Tonys? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to include that Jerry Herman clip. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you to our wonderful patrons for listening to the show. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher at Musicals with Cheese. We're on Twitter at Cheesy Musical, Patreon Musicals with Cheese, Instagram Musicals with Cheese, YouTube page Musicals with Cheese. We have a Patreon-only podcast called Patreon with Cheese. Me and Andrew got some big plans for that. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com to tell us how wrong we were about The Little Mermaid because you were in Very your school wrong. production and you feel like it was better than we gave it credit for. Our keeper of the cheese is Juliet Antonio. There's some ASMR for you. Uh, this show is edited by the incredible Andrew D. Wolf. Thank you very much, Andrew, for taking that I on. I did it. Our theme songs were created by Robin Nash of IOU Music UK. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off, for making fun of Ben Platt, because how dare we make fun of a Nepo baby like that? We might as well just, might as well just stop talking. Our unfortunate souls in pain, in need. This one wants to meet the girl, and this one wants to get thinner, and I help them. Bitch, yeah, I do! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.